morning and welcome to Voices of Yosha, our special place to discuss all things related to health. Health perceived in a multidimensional manner, with aspects of the mind, body, soul, aspects of well-being through family, society, community, and also of self, with a peek into what modern science findings are, what ancient Indian and Asian classical sciences and systems say, we will be taking this holistic approach to health and have some focused discussions on women's health in the context of the Indian subcontinent. My aim is to provide you with awareness so that each of us can make more informed decisions about our health, our family's health. I'm very grateful to the kindness, generosity and belief of the Pollination Project for the grant to make this podcast possible. In today's episode of Voices of Yosha, we are happy to have with us Dr. Umar Ram, a senior obstetrician gynecologist, often abbreviated to OpGyn in the US. She's actively involved in postgraduate teaching sessions organized by the Association of Tamil Nadu. She's the chair of the Southern Region of RCOG, that's the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecology, and examiner there. She's also the coordinator of Chennai Path to MRCOG exams. She's the faculty of voluntary health services ADR in Chennai for teaching DNB postgrad students, and additionally runs Sitapati Clinic and Hospital in Chennai at two locations. The clinic was started by a father, Dr. N.S. Murli, more than six decades ago. With the increasing number of C-sections, Dr. Umar's clinic prefers ethical practices and restricts C-sections or cesareans to only when necessary. With such a full agenda of patients and OPD and emergency deliveries, academics and clinic to manage, Voices of Yosha is grateful to Dr. Umar to make time to share knowledge and build awareness in women. Good morning, Dr. Umar. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our discussion. Now, let's start in this first segment on general women's health. What, according to you, are some of the common, easily avoidable mistakes women make regarding their own health? I think, firstly, the most common mistake that we make as women is that we put our own health as the lowest priority, not just for ourselves, but in the context of family. Now, if another member of the family, whether it's the husband or a child, even so much as twinges, they will first be taken care of and rushed to see a, a physician or you know whoever they think needs to deal with it. But it's amazing that you see women walking in who have hemoglobins of four and five, who have gone through multiple years of dealing with the pain before they make the decision to come and seek help. So I think the first mistake that we do is that we don't prioritize our health. The second, I feel, is a lot of the focus on our own health is around reproduction. So before and after, and if it is unrelated to the period, for example, right. I mean, we tend to link our health to our period cycles, but women can have non-gynae problems, and we don't tend to prioritize that. Right. So do you think it's not enough for women's health to be restricted only to gynecology, but to see it in a holistic way of mind and body, and the whole body and not just the uterus and just her reproductive? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think that's extremely important because a lot of it, of course, is linked. 
as we will see with obesity, with lack of exercise, with the increasing burden of what is called non-communicable diseases, that is diabetes and um, heart-related issues, mm -hmm. it is scary actually to look at statistics where the incidence is higher in women than it is in men. Yes. But we tend to think that it is men who will suffer the heart attack. Right. It is men who get the cancer. And so our focus should definitely be on our holistic health. And of course, the reproductive health is important, but it shouldn't just stop there. So we need to start looking at women more than just baby givers. Absolutely. Right? Because I think not just in India, but worldwide, they, their role primarily in society has been to create the next generation and be caregivers. It doesn't matter which, whether you are in Japan, Africa, or the US or Alaska, women's role is as the primary caregiver. And she, therefore, somehow tends to ignore herself in that caregiving process. That is true. But I think because we are the primary caregivers, we need to give ourselves importance. Because unless we do, when something breaks, you know, right. then the entire system around the house breaks further. So yeah. we should not allow that to happen. Okay. Yeah. So a general concern today with mothers, as I've seen in India, I don't know how it is in other countries. A general concern is that their daughters are starting menstruating very young, as young as nine. And... What's the pause? And can this be offset by a lifestyle and nutritional change? And a part two to that question is, a lot of these young girls are also having very irregular periods. So there's two parts to that question. One is the very young age that they start puberty. And the second is the irregularity of the periods. Yeah, I think that's a very important uh, question. World over, the onset of the first period, or menarche as we call it, is becoming early. And uh, a lot of it is to do with nutrition and lifestyle. So the nutrition is better, our girls are gaining more height, and therefore, along with those other pubertal changes, menarche also sets in early. 10 is what was traditionally accepted as normal. Today, we say up to 9 years is okay. Anything younger than 9, yeah, we actually should actively stop the puberty changes because otherwise the girl's ultimate height and other bony functions uh, stop much earlier. So though they gain the growth spurt early, their ultimate height will be less. I so I think what mothers need to watch out for is the changes that happen in puberty before the first period. So usually the onset of the period is the one of the last changes that happen at puberty. So if you notice a young girl who says seven and a half or eight starting to be much taller than the others in the class, hitting the growth spurt, you notice breast budding, yeah. you start to see some fine axillary hair. Yeah. That is the time that you need to take her to find out is this normal or is there a problem? Because we can intervene and prevent a very early first period. Okay. So you're saying 10 is okay still as an age? 10 is okay medically still as an age. I see. They just have to be mentally prepared to deal with it. Right. But they're so young. They're still children, you know, and it comes with so many changes. And of course, we live in a slightly violent society for women. And not just in India, it is worldwide so. So yeah. these children are just children and their bodies are growing far ahead of them. Correct. And they're not able to keep pace and even be aware of what is going on, right? 
true. So I think that education becomes important. Also, I think there is a lot more of um, sexuality in your face in the media now. Right. And so these young girls and boys, I would say, are more exposed to the fact that there are bodily changes, etc. And I think it's important that somebody sensible has a conversation with them so that they can understand what is what is acceptable, what is not, and what the implications are of, you know, exploring that sexuality. Right. So the second part to that question was the irregularity of periods that we're seeing a lot of young girls going through, which was not there a generation ago. And PCOD is blowing out of all proportions. I think the statistic is 20% to 30%. That's not, again, just in India. That's worldwide being seen, especially in the West as well, where there's a lot of fast food culture. Yeah. So is there a correlation? Is this a gynecological disease? Is this a nutritional disease? Or is it not even disease of lifestyle? It's a very, very interesting way in which you've posed the question. And I think it's important because it is, to be honest, it manifests as a gynecological disease. Because the reason people wake up or come to us or are uncomfortable is because the periods are irregular. But the irregularity in the period is uh, because of a metabolic issue that is happening. And to that extent, it is a lifestyle and nutritional disease. So the basis of which is what we call insulin resistance. Insulin, as we know, is a hormone that works for our glucose control, but it also works to improve ovulation or, the, or ensures that the egg formation in the ovary happens appropriately. So when women have insulin resistance, that is the body's producing insulin, is keeping your glucose under check, but it is not that certain tissues are not allowing the insulin to work so well, that ovulation doesn't happen. And that is the bottom line of PCOD, which is only one of the reasons for irregular periods. Oh. So I'd like to make two points here. One, every irregular period is not PCOD. So we have to medically rule out other conditions. It could be thyroid, it could be other hormone problems. But if all that is ruled out, then, then it's PCOD based on certain uh, tests that we do. The solution is actually diet, exercise, weight loss, ensuring that you eat the right kind of food, ensuring you exercise regularly, including strength training. Of course, we can give hormonal medication to regularize the period, which we do, but that's just treating the symptom. It is not addressing the root cause. Right. But typically what happens is when you tell young girls that, you know, you need to exercise, you need to lose weight, it's hard. So that especially around this 10th to 12th standard, when studies take so much of a focus, right. they completely stop exercising. Sleep is extremely important. And I remember once I was talking to a school, a corporation school uh, kids, and I told them at least seven hours of sleep is important. The principal of that school came and told me, what kind of advice have you given? Because they all have to stay up to study, otherwise they won't get their marks. Right. But the hormones in our brain get secreted appropriately only during our sleep time. Right. So a lot of these kids are not sleeping enough. They're using the system or the uh, you know devices a lot. Um, they're not exercising. So all of that is lifestyle, which is much harder to do than me giving them a prescription. 
absolute valid point because we've turned into a pill culture. You know, we, you want to just pop a pill and be okay. And the other thing which I'm noticing in India, in a lot of Asian cities as well, is that the rampant urbanization, we don't have open spaces anymore. Everyone's looking, living in an apartment, a flat, and they don't have the kind of open space before to go out to do recreational activity, play sports, all that, or even get the dosage of vitamin D. Yeah. So a lot of Asia, it has abundance of sunshine. Yeah, but we have the highest prevalence of low vitamin D. Yes. So, and we, you know, we don't, at least in the cities, we don't walk from point A to point B anymore. Right. There's a lot of normal physical activity. See, I remember when I was in uh, medical school, a lot of times they would say, oh, osteoporosis is not a problem in India. But then people were constantly sitting on the floor, they were getting up, they were doing, women were, were physically doing work, yes, which is the equivalent of strength training. I mean, today I go to the gym and I pump weights so that that happens. But I'm not saying we have to draw water from a well, but we have to substitute it with an equivalent form of exercise that ensures that our bone health and metabolic health is good. And the other thing is house chores today are looked down upon, right? Women don't want to be doing house chores. They want, you know, to have staff at home to do it or to have a gadget which does it. It's looked down upon. But there are two aspects to doing house chores which we seem to have forgotten. One is that it exercises all your muscles because whether you were pounding something, you were, you know, taking that heavy stone and grinding the chutney or you were, you know, sweeping or putting in the column in the morning, you had also a mind-body connect. And flexibility also. Yes. See, when you sit and do something, when you reach out, all of that actually is improving your flexibility. And you're using completely different range of muscles for that complete range of motion, right? Yeah. So just putting the column in the morning, you start with a few dots, but in your head you have to be focused, alert, to know how to draw the next line and create that pattern because there is no book to copy from. It's all in your mind. Yes. So those little things we've forgotten how to do, right? And we're not doing it anymore, including we used to remember people's phone numbers in our heads. Absolutely. Is there in our phone? So we're not using the capacity of our brain or what it has, its range. And then the brain also stops functioning in that full range, which it, was, which it has the inherent ability to do. Very true, very true. So some of this is because of the way we have chosen, you know, the way life is now. So uh, if we have the opportunity to be able to do all of this, I think it's important that we do it. If we don't have the opportunity because we have very hectic work schedules, we just don't have the time to do the pounding and the grinding and the stuff, we need to be aware that we have to compensate for that in some fashion. Right. So if you have to go do a yoga session, you have to ensure your flexibilities, your balance is okay. All of that needs to happen. So how are you doing this into your hectic day? Because like I said, you are an academician, examiner, you run two clinics and you're doing OPD surgery and attending to so many women during the deliveries, but also post delivery, right? True. So your day somehow never seems to end, it feels like. How do you manage, because at the end of the day, you're a woman. Yeah. And you have gone through, you know, the full range of puberty, at, you know, going through college. Medical college was perhaps less stressful than it is now, mm -hmm. but it was still always very demanding education. 
and running a practice, keeping up to date with the new developments, to having a home to run and a clinic to run, how do you manage? How do you take care of your health? Okay, so I think, again, a very important question. It is very demanding, and as, as any in any career, I'm sure you, you feel the same. There is a phase in your career, uh, I think the first part of it, where you have to give it your 200%. At that time, truly, health does take a backseat because you don't really have the time to, to, to set aside to ensure exercise, etc., etc., one of the things about medicine, though, especially OBGYN, is you're not seated all the time. Right. So you, you do have to kind of walk, you have to do stuff. So that, and you stand for long hours. But I think there is a point in time where you wake up. And to me, it was the more I understood about the metabolic impact of health. And I'm talking to women and saying, you have to exercise, you have to do this. And then I tell myself, hey, woman, what are you doing? So that is when I realized that, you know, the world is not going to come to a stop if I set aside one hour to walk or to go to the gym or whatever. And I think from a sanity perspective, music has always stayed with me. And I think one of the things about growing up in Chennai is irrespective of where you grow up as a child, you are taught some music, some dance, some there is some fine art appreciation and that certainly stands you in very good stead uh, as because you can always pick it up. Even if you don't sing, you can listen. Yes. And uh, so that is calming. I used to uh, doodle uh -huh. because sometimes you're sitting with a laboring woman uh, and then so instead of just reading or again focusing on work, you can do some digital uh -huh. stuff. Have, you know, uh, there is something, as you say, you try to color, you try to shade. Again, in your head, you know what you want, but you have to be able to recreate it. So these are all things that I think help. So you steal quiet moments of de-stressing within your daily routine or daily activities. And I think that's something really critical when you are, for example, stuck in traffic, you're sitting there, instead of cursing the traffic, uh, being angry, you could take those moments to de-stress for yourself. Absolutely. Or for example, like you're saying, you're waiting for this lady in labor for that right moment to come, for the baby to be, you know, be, be able to come out. And that is a moment you steal. Those are the few moments you steal to sit and doodle, which I would have not imagined. These are creative ways of finding moments to de-stress within your, you know, daily action-packed day. No. Now, women are the focus, like we said, is all around pregnancy, right? But there are so many different life phases which one should have specific care and specific lifestyle for, whether it's puberty, whether it's the early 20s, whether it's her pregnancy, post-pregnancy, 40 plus, 60 plus. So let us then perhaps focus now on the pregnancy part because that's something you see day in and day out and follow that up in our next talk which will be focused around pregnancy, pre-pregnancy and post-pregnancy. Sure. If I can just make one additional comment. You know, while there are all these phases, it is a continuum. Right. So I think it's very important for us to understand that if something happens to a woman when she's, say, in her 60s, a lot of the prevention should have happened by taking care in the 20s. Because in the 60s, you can only treat. Right. And if you want to prevent, 
and that, you know, whether it's nutrition, physical activity, whatever, it needs to begin in the 20s. And when you're in the 20s, 60 is so far away, isn't it? Right. In school, we used to think 30 was old. Yes. Now I think 50 is young. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so that is again something that we need to ensure that the next generation understands that what they do today is what is going to stand them in good stead when they're older. Thank you, Dr. Oman. Thank you. After that insightful discussion on different aspects of women's health, let's take a moment for ourselves for inner calm, inner peace, inner well-being and well-being for all. Sit comfortably, either on the floor or on the chair. Close your eyes gently and rest your hands on your knees with the palms facing upwards. Try to bring your index finger and thumb together at the tips in the Dhyan Mudra, a common meditation mudra. Today we'll be chanting a mantra for well-being for all. Sarvesham Swastir Bhavatu Sarvesham Shantir Bhavatu Sarvesham Purnam Bhavatu Sarvesham Mangalam Bhavatu Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha Sarve Shantiniramaya Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Makashidhubhak Bhavet Asatoma Sadgamaya Tamasoma Jyotir Gamaya Mrityurma Amritam Gamaya Shanti 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 Thank you for listening in. In our next episode of Voices of Yosha, we will be continuing the discussion with Dr. Omar Rao and move from a more general discussion on women's health towards pregnancy, both pre-pregnancy, pregnancy and post-pregnancy and discussing the issues that normally are brushed under the carpet. Hope you enjoyed listening in. Do like and share our series with someone who you think might benefit. See you next time.